0: Hi, this is James Barris. I hope you find this talk supports you in your practice. If you'd like to support my teaching, you can use the donate button underneath my picture on Dharma Seed to do that. Your support is greatly appreciated. Well, here we are 24 hours later. Are we having fun yet? The first day of a retreat is for most people, not for everyone, but for most people, it's hard. So you might have had the question more than once pop up, why am I here? You know, or what am I supposed to be doing? What's the point of all of this? <clears throat> so I th- thought I'd talk a little bit about... Um, why are you here? What's the point of all of it? And uh, an attitude the attitudes that I find supportive in uh, entering into this practice. Uh, just to know, I mentioned it a little bit last night, but I want to um, underscore it. The first few days of a retreat for everybody are challenging. Uh, You might have moments where you're just saying, wow, this is so incredible being here. No emails, no responsibilities, nothing I have to do other than just really nourish myself or connect with myself. And I hope you've had a few of those moments. Uh, But often the moments are, boy, oh boy, the mind, it's just everywhere. The body hurts, I'm so sleepy, I'm so restless. Anybody have any of those? Right on schedule. What is easier in those first few days, if you've been doing it for a while, is you know that's part of the process. You're not doing anything wrong if you find yourself resisting or grumpy or, you know, thinking about a really good vacation, a fun vacation. Um, Because this is a little bit like um, going through a detox. I mentioned that in one of the groups. You're detoxing from stimulation, from busyness, from the mind just spinning out one thought after another and you're sitting down and taking a look at what goes on. Um, sometimes it's uh, it said self-awareness is usually bad news. You know? But it's actually really good news. Uh, it just takes a little while to, to get there, to get to the good news, especially if this is new to you. Um, so first, what... Are we doing here and why are we doing it we are practicing what the Buddha said is the most direct way to deep happiness and peace all of Buddhist meditation mindfulness meditation is based on this uh, primary discourse where the Buddha said there is a most direct way, there is a most wonderful way to overcome sorrow, lamentation, grief, despair, and pain and anxiety and realize the highest happiness. That way is the establishment of mindfulness. Sounds pretty good, doesn't it? That is what you're doing here. Even... If it's not so obvious through the aches and pains and sleepiness and restlessness and and uh, busy mind, it's what you're doing in a very profound way. Talk a little bit about mindfulness and the essence of it as I see it and how it works. Okay, <clears throat> it is basically knowing what is happening right now that is seeing things clearly. You know the word... Is this popping? Is it too close? Let's try. <clears throat> seeing things clearly. That's what the word vipassana means. That To see things clearly. Seeing things clearly and just calling it like it is. Not pretending things are better than they are not embellishing them as being more intense than than they are you know it's i grew up in new york and people often live in superlatives in new york this is the most intense day of my life right <laughs> even more than yesterday right this is the greatest movie ever have somebody say this is the greatest movie it's going to just blow you away and you go and you say it's pretty good, but it wasn't the greatest, and it doesn't quite measure up, you know, because we kind of squeeze a little bit more out of the experience to make it come alive. We think it makes it come alive. And actually, this is just seeing what's true, which is incredibly liberating. Just calling it like it is, seeing things as best you can objectively. What's actually happening here? Learning to be here in the present moment. If you haven't noticed before, you might have gotten it today. Uh, this is not a place that we spend a lot of time. We can be looking forward to the next moment. You know, when's this meditation going to end? You know, or tea time, or bedtime, or when I really settle in and get in a groove, you know, or looking back, oh yeah, that last meditation was great, how come I'm not here now? Or what happened last week or last month? You know, or lost in fantasy. Every now and then, oh, it's happening now. This is where life is happening. And so it's radical to train ourselves to be here, right here, right now and wake up to life, be present for our life. As, as Jack Cornfield likes to say in the uh, Las Vegas casinos, there's these signs that say, you must be present to win. And it's the same here as it is there. <laughs> Everything else is secondhand. So seeing things clearly, being here, in the present, as best you can, noticing as you start to pay attention to the present moment how it's continually changing. Have you seen that? How many different moods you've had today? How many different thoughts you've had today? Whew. How many different sensations you've had? None of them lasts, nothing, nothing lasts. And that's not bad or good, it's just the way things are, that life is continually transforming and changing. And when we see that, when we not only have it as the idea, but feel it as an embodied understanding, there is a a tremendous shift in relationship to our experience. Because then, instead of trying to arrive at any particular Point, you realize, oh, this is about being here for the ride, and learning to be here for the ride with an open heart, and uh, a wisdom eye. And then the uh, one one other aspect of this mindfulness, besides being present, noticing, uh, seeing things clearly, noticing how things change, is being here without the extra judgment about how you think things should be. This is not so easy because we often have a commentary about most every moment. This is a good moment. This is a bad moment. I like this. Now life is cooperating. I don't like this and if I were running the universe I'd do a much better job than what's happening now. This is unfair this is uncomfortable, oh my goodness, well thank God they've got an AC, let's go meditate. You know? you know, This is the way things are. And so to see it without that extra editorial comment is incredibly liberating because then you're not lost in your ideas of how you'd like things to be or how you hope they stay, but to just acknowledge, oh, this is it. Then you, can, then you can meet the moment wisely because whatever is happening is out of your control. That is secondary to your relationship to what's happening. How can I meet this moment with wisdom? How can I meet this moment with, with kindness? How can I open up to it and, and wake up as best I can? And when you do that, there are some amazing benefits that occur you sit down you pay attention try to pay attention and after a short order you see your first insight i bet you've had this insight in case you're wondering god i signed up for an insight meditation retreat i hope i have an insight I would suspect you have the first and probably one of the most important and profound insights. The mind is completely out of control. Or I should say, the mind is out of our control. It just does what it does. You might say, gosh, that is so depressing. It's great news. It's fabulous news that the mind is out of your control. Because that means you don't have to blame yourself for what comes through it. It just comes through all on its own. You probably don't say, I could go for some rage right now. It just comes when it comes. You know? How about doubt? I could go for a good bout of doubt. It comes all by itself and when you and the same way with love and joy and kindness and caring all of those things come through the mind it's not only bad news it's it's the whole show you're opening up to the whole show and when you see it you see this thinking machine just doing its thing then hopefully sooner not later you kind of get the possibility that you don't have to take your thoughts quite so seriously because they're just doing their thing. That's tremendously freeing when you get that you don't have to blame yourself for the thoughts that come through and you don't have to take credit for the thoughts that come through. Hey, check it out. That was a pretty cool thought that came through. If you do that, you're just setting yourself up for the other side of the coin. It all just comes through. And here you are sitting and noticing all of those thoughts while you're trying to pay attention to the breath or whatever else is happening. The mind reveals itself. But thoughts aren't bad. They're not the enemy. This building was somebody's thought, a few people's thought. Coming on the retreat was a thought. Loving the people in your life that you love is a thought that opens the heart. So it's not that you want to do away with thoughts. As I, I said in one of the groups, I thought when I first was getting into this that if I was really doing it right, there would be like this giant vacuum cleaner that would just suck all the thoughts away and I'd be blank. <sighs> Finally. Finally. Don't wait for that to happen. It probably won't. The cool thing is you don't have to get rid of any of the thoughts. You just don't have to jump on the train. There you are seeing them come and seeing them go and you don't have to take them seriously. And The more you can open up and see they are just these mind bubbles that arise, then you have a greater capacity to have some choice in your life and see which thoughts you do want to empower and which thoughts you can just let go. Well, that's an interesting thought blowing up the world. Okay, just letting it go. Joseph Goldstein, my teacher and our teacher, um, has a, a really good prescription if you're being if you're bothered by your thoughts, especially on a meditation retreat, just imagine they're coming from the person behind you. Because <laughs> for all intents and purposes, who knows how they got there? It's very freeing. Oh, you know, I, hope, I hope they deal with that one a lot better. You know, It's just kind of coming through, coming through. And as you get more in touch with that and see you don't have to take credit or blame, you don't have to take them seriously, then you have more a a real compassion for this predicament that we're all in, you know? Not that the mind is bad, the eye sees, the ear hears. You don't say stop those sights or stop those sounds. It's just their function and the mind thinks and it's this incredible creative machine or whatever you might call it. You just need to learn how to train it. So that's a very profound thing, and you start to have compassion for how we all get caught in our thoughts. Just like I can get confused and believe my thoughts. The more you see that, the more you see, oh, when somebody is doing something that is just so bizarre, you've taken a look at your mind and see, oh yeah, I understand how you can just be caught in your thoughts. And that leads to genuine compassion and even love, a, a, a sense of not, not being separate. The more you pay attention also, the more you see clearly. And so wisdom starts to shine through because you're not contracted in your thinking mind and this opens up to the highest wisdom and the highest happiness and the the openness of heart. And you find more and more that place of peace that is inside of you all along that can be right in the center of the storm that can be with you wherever you go, the more you become familiar with and, and can access it. It's so incredibly profound and so incredibly simple. Here's uh, an exercise that I'd like to do and that I did in one of the groups. Just put your hand out in front of you right now okay? and move it slowly back and forth. Now close your eyes as you're doing it and put all your attention on feeling the movement. Right now, is there any confusion? Any fear? Any tomorrow or yesterday? Is just feeling the movement. Okay, you can open your eyes. Congratulations, you were just mindful. That's it. And in that moment... You don't need to add anything more to make it a better moment or take anything away. The mind is fully connected and it's quite restful and you're not lost in your story. So, That's the basic principle, whether you're feeling the breath or picking your foot up and putting it down and taking a step or eating a meal or showering or going to the bathroom or brushing your teeth oh, I can be here for this too, or feeling an emotion, or feeling uh, a whole mood, or knowing that you're thinking. And the the amazing thing is you can train yourself to be interested whether or not it's pleasant or unpleasant. It just takes a little practice because we usually think, oh, something's got to be very enthralling to be worthy of my attention, especially in this culture of sound bites and and stimulation. So, given that, uh, that just being in the present starts to open up the heart, deepen our compassion, understand how the mind works, open up our wisdom eye, and get in touch with a place of peace, it seems like a good thing to do and as the Buddha said, the most direct and most powerful way to the highest happiness. Now I want to talk a little bit about the basic attitudes and approach, the essence of mindfulness that I find really helpful. I said it in uh, the instruction uh at some point uh, yesterday or uh, one of the sittings that I was at, it basically comes down to what's happening now, can I let it be how it is, and can I receive it with a relaxed, interested, kind awareness. And I want to talk particularly about those three qualities, relaxed, interested, kind, awareness. Mm-hmm. A relaxed awareness. You know, when you, when you come to the sitting, come to a hall, especially on a retreat like this, the natural inclination is to want to do it well. To want to be a good meditator to perhaps if you have any kind of an achieving kind of a a personality to, um, to do it right and to try hard. However, while effort is a very good thing, trying hard to be mindful will work against you. Because in that very efforting and striving and struggling to be a good meditator, you work against yourself and that in itself is a contraction of mind and heart. And that's not what mindfulness is. In order to see clearly there needs to be enough openness to do that Mm. and so it really supports you to have a sense of ease and lightness. Uh, A a number of years ago there was a Tibetan master uh, who came here and talked on Monday night. Uh, Every Monday night there's the the big talk here and uh, few hundred people come and and hear and this one one uh talk <clears throat> which I heard about and then listened on the uh, uh on the recording uh this master said i will I want to give you um the secret to meditation, and I can sum it up in two words. everybody got very interested <laughs> two words what are they and then he said be spacious. Because in that spaciousness, there's a kind of openness that allows you to see. So if you find yourself contracted and you can feel it in your body, you can feel it in your mind, you can feel the, the, the tightness or the tension, find a way to lighten up. <clears throat> there's a, Uh, a a wonderful book that came out uh, many years ago. Uh, Maybe some of you are familiar with it. I I loved the book, and lots of people loved it, especially the title. It was called The Lazy Man's Guide to Enlightenment. Uh, It was a very thin book, too, which is great. And what this guy, Thaddeus Golas, said was we are all beings of expansion and contraction. We are doing that all the time. And when we are contracted, we are suffering. All the, all the states that are called unwholesome states or states that, that are associated with suffering in Buddhist psychology, they're called akusala, unwholesome, are contracted states. Like anger and fear and greed and wanting and confusion they're all tight in the mind and in the heart and the in the body. All the wholesome states states like kindness and generosity and compassion and caring all of those states love all of those states we can we know that feeling of openness when we are in touch with them the heart feels light the the body opens up there's a kind of aliveness there so what we're doing when we bring a relaxed attitude relaxed mindfulness relaxed awareness is just is inviting a kind of ease that supports our True well being. Relaxed, however, does not mean laid, uh, lazy or laid back. You know, well, if I'm mindful, I'm mindful. If I'm not, I'm not. You know, just whatever happens, happens. This takes work. There's no doubt about it that in order to be here, you have to train yourself to come back. And so that's why I mentioned last night that there, it really comes from a wholeheartedness that, that is willing to be here and willing to bring yourself back when you've gone. At the same time, that wholeheartedness is balanced with a lightness of heart, playfulness, maybe humor, patience, openness, kindness. If you judge your your effort by what is going on out there, you're going to be in trouble. Oh, my mind is everywhere. I must not be doing it right. Or... Uh, I've got all of these emotions and you know what what's wrong with me you know the person next to you might be saying gee I wish I had some emotion people are kind of going through their catharsis here and I'm just kind of feeling my breath you know everybody will have their own idea about what a good meditation is supposed to be about let go of that if you don't judge by what's happening in any particular meditation but rather get in touch with your sincerity of heart that says, I really want to be here. I really want to put myself here as best I can. And when I'm not here to come back, that is the skillful kind of sincerity. Not tight, not controlling, but just the willingness to be here. And in order to do that, You can't take the wandering mind personally. If you do, it'll be very humbling and very uh, frustrating. So I have a chance right now to, to share with you what I see as the key moment in the whole meditative process. And that is the moment that your mind, that you realize that your mind has wandered. Your mind wanders, doesn't it? And while you're gone, you are gone. You might be gone for five seconds. You might be gone for five minutes. You might be gone for 15 minutes. You are gone. Not much you can do about it. When you realize that you've been gone, you have some choice how to deal with that fact. One very common response is, oh, damn it. There, I was gone. Let's get back here and do this right. There might be a little bit of awareness, but you can hear in that tone the judgment, the frustration, the discouragement, the agitation in that response. And basically, what you're cultivating is judgment, frustration discouragement and agitation every time you beat yourself up for having wandered you get no bonus points for that another very common response is oh I've been lost in thought but this is a very interesting thought let me just go with this one and when you do that you have bitten the bait and gotten hooked again If you're lucky for five seconds, otherwise it could be five minutes or 15 or more. So it takes some resolve to not get hooked by your thoughts, no matter how noble they are. Finally, the beginning of my novel, I've been waiting eight years to do this, you know. Or how unpleasant they are, no, not that, get away. And there you are hooked, you know. But to just come on back. And the recommended response when you see you've gone is instead of feeling frustrated, take the light that you just woke up. Finally, you're here. Don't spend time beating yourself up for not being here. Oh, just start fresh, like pressing the clear button on a calculator. It doesn't matter how complicated the numbers get, you know, past the E. You press that C, <whistles> ah, fresh start and bring yourself back or wake up to the moment with great kindness and patience and the sincere intention to be here once again. If you do that, then every encounter with the wandering mind, you are cultivating kindness, patience, forgiveness, and presence. So it's right there in that moment, and you probably will have... Loads and loads of opportunities to meet that moment during the day. How wonderful. Oh, another opportunity to practice patience and kindness and presence. It's not figuring anything out. You don't have to sort, sort out or analyze. It's simply knowing what's here right now. There's a line in the Third Zen Patriarch, uh, this treatise that I love. It says, Stop talking and thinking and there's nothing you'll not be able to know. You know, how, that's how it works when you give up trying to think your way through. Boom! All of a sudden things become clear. That's because when the mind is relaxed and open, there's room for that wisdom and that insight to emerge and shine through. So... Relaxed is the first. Relaxed awareness. And you can actually check in. Am I tight? Mm, Just take a few spacious breaths. Lighten up. Relax. It's not cheating, it's skillful. Next. Interested. one of the seven factors of awakening is investigation. That is really exploring and discovering what is going on. Not with an analytical mind, not to write an essay and, and, and tell anybody, but just to notice what is really happening. We all have this capacity We come into the world with this capacity, with this quality that just loves to learn. We're like sponges if you've ever been around kids, you know, or if you remember being a kid yourself, you know. Oh, gosh, I haven't thought about this in a while. I just remembered my, my son, Adam, who's now 23, when he was a little kid. You know, it was the perennial, you know, you know why is that you know why you know and, he, and then he'd say you know what This that was one of his favorite you know what guess what you know it's like everything is new mm. wow everything is new and it's that freshness and the aliveness that we all have i i and i had this um I have this birthday card. I've, we have we a have collection of cards that we send on different occasions. I got this birthday card that I've never sent because it's so cool I don't want to part with it. Although I just saw it in, in the greeting store by my house. And oh, there it is again. I should have gotten a couple more. But it's of this baby, little baby. If you'll flow with this, and he has a bugger in his hand. Right? and he is looking, he's mesmerized <laughs> looking at it just like it's the most amazing thing in the world and you open up and the card says, you always were easy to entertain. Happy birthday, right? That's who we really are. And so this is just really activating that place in us that just loves to learn. But it usually requires, as I said, something these days fascinating. You know, that, that's, that's a 20-second or a 5-second sound bite that will capture our attention because everything in our culture is conspiring to say, it's got to be intense, look at me. We, that's why the fasting from stimulation is so profound because then you see in the subtleties of everything. Everything is a miracle. It's not uncommon uh, for people, as a retreat goes on, to just stare at a plant. See, wow, there's life going on there. Sometimes you can almost feel it moving. Or to look at a lizard. Have you noticed the lizards? Wow, so still and it's gone, right? It's all amazing. When I was a kid, I, I don't know if you have had this experience, you ever watch, a, a look at a shaft of sunlight coming through a window and you look up closely? Wow. Yeah. If somebody said, what are you doing? You say, oh, I'm watching dust. It doesn't sound very interesting, but Anything is fascinating when you pay attention to it. As Fritz Perls, the father of Gestalt psychology, said, boredom is simply lack of attention. And what we're doing here is turning up the attention to see more clearly, to see, oh, this is how the mind works. Oh, this is what a breath is. This is what it means to eat a raisin. Mm, Hmm, how many things people found just by paying attention to one raisin. You can make it like a game because actually at the beginning it might take some effort to bring yourself here. But once you're here, it's quite interesting. And the way it works... The effort at the beginning to bring yourself back, okay, let's be here, starts to pay off as there's a momentum of mindfulness that develops because this is all about putting those mindful moments together. Joseph has this good good um, uh, expression. He calls it NPMs, uh, uh, noticings per minute, right? Just to make it like a game. At the beginning you might be lucky if you notice, you know, every few minutes, oh, here's a breath. But you might see as you know, oh, this is where the mind comes back when I'm when I'm lost, oh, here's a few breaths. Here's a few more. And in that, whether it's the breath or whatever you're doing, whether or hearing a sound or feeling a sensation, or sipping a cup of tea or taking a step those moments of mindfulness build on each other and there's a momentum that starts to to kick in and as it develops the more the stronger the mindfulness is the more interesting everything becomes because you're seeing here you're here for the show the more interesting things become the more you want to pay attention the more you want to pay attention, the more mindful you become. And so it kind of builds on itself. Whereas if you say, well, you know, maybe I'll pay attention, maybe I won't, then you don't have a chance for that momentum to develop. And when that doesn't develop, things are not quite as interesting because the mind is a bit more scattered. When it's not as interesting, you don't want to pay as much uh, attention and things get boring. And that leads you down another track. So these first few days, I know for most of us, is, is work. But once you're here, actually once you're here, you don't have to squeeze anything more out of the moment. You can just let yourself be fascinated. Oh, cool, it's a breath how does that happen? What, is, what does it mean to be alive or to have a breath? You might have to trick yourself at first to think it's interesting, but once you look at it, especially like through the eyes of a child, just being a little kid and having that wonder, wow, then you want to be here. Sometimes I play a little game with myself and just imagine that I'm an alien reporting back to the mothership. You know. <laughs> this is what breathing is like for these folks. Okay, Oh, this is what feeling uh, a sensation is like. This is what itching is like. Oh, check it out. This is what freaking out is like. Okay, check it out. and it keeps on becoming more and more interesting. It's not like you're you get the answer and that's it. It just keeps on opening up. I I remember at one one uh retreat sitting and going into an interview with uh with Joseph and and it, this is a number of years into my practice and saying I don't know what I've been doing up until now, but this is like a whole new ball game. It's like I opened up to this wonderland. And I said, gosh, you know, it's so amazing. He said, oh, I, I, kno- I know what that's like. Yeah, I know what you mean. I said, you do? He said, yeah, I get it every time I sit. I said, really? He said, and then he leaned forward and he said, yeah, and it's like we're at the tip of the iceberg. And he had this real twinkle in his eye. We're at the tip of the iceberg. It wasn't like oh, there's so much more that we've got to learn, and what a drag. It's like, wow, isn't it exciting we get to see what really is going on in life. So to bring that kind of an interest to this moment makes it really come alive. Boredom, what you might think is boredom, is really, there's a lot of stuff going on in, bore, in boredom. You know. Just check it out. There's wanting for something else. There might be some aversion to what's here. There might be some agitation or restlessness. And we just cover the whole thing up and say, boring. Take a look. Boredom can be fascinating if you look at it with that kind of investigation. I remember going to this one uh, w- one lecture by uh, Trungpa Rinpoche, who is this very uh, kind of crazy wisdom teacher. And he would come in, he'd al- almost always come in like about an hour and a half late to the the talk. One time he came in on time and there were about 20 people there and he just gave the talk and then he left and he blew <laughs> people's minds. But he would come in about an hour and a half, you know, as he did this night, and he comes in and he says... Uh, Tonight, I'm going to talk about the breakthrough in practice, and everybody was really excited. Oh, he's going to give the secret teachings, right? And then he proceeded to meander for the next close to two hours. People are getting fidgety and restless. Oh, well, there's the secret teachings. La la la, you know. And then, in mid sentence, he stops and he leans forward and he says the real breakthrough is boredom. Like, huh. And he went on to say, if you're waiting for a better moment to capture your attention, you're missing the point. This is it. It's right here. Life is happening right now, right here. Or as as one, uh, one uh, cartoon, I think it was in the New Yorker, uh, this, this zen uh, the, at the Zen monastery in the zendo there 's an elder and then there 's somebody new who 's just come into practice and the the new person is looking at the the door and the elder is saying, Nothing happens next this is it <laughs> <laughs> This is it, but this is worthy of your attention if you Um, can muster it up and see. And once the mindfulness develops, you see it's all amazing. As uh, Albert Einstein says, there's two ways of looking at the world. One is is as if nothing is a miracle and the other is as if everything is a miracle. He suggested going for the latter. And I do too so relaxed interested kind awareness the kindness is a key to this process is essential to this process this is meeting the moment with friendliness meeting the moment without battling it or struggling or being or thinking it's an adversary, but to bring a kind heart to your experience. It doesn't mean that you like it all. Loving kindness, metta, which we'll probably start doing uh, in the next day or so, doing a little bit of loving kindness as part of the practice. It doesn't mean, oh, I love my... Fear, or my loneliness, or my whatever, my pettiness. It means that you don't make it a problem. You don't make it the enemy. You see that it's part of being human, as as is said in the in the teachings. In this fathom long body, you know, six feet, give or take a foot. It's pretty much most of us fall into that. In this fathom long body, the whole of the Dharma is revealed. The whole of life is revealed. Uh, This is your laboratory to understand what it means to be human, what it means to have a mind, what it means to have a body. And the more you can understand this one with kindness, the kinder you will be to everybody else. As the Dalai Lama says, my religion is kindness. That's the essence of it. And when you start to pay attention, you will see a lot of things that maybe you've been distracting yourself from. That's not bad. As unpleasant as it might be when you see your demons or your fears or your judgments or your whatever... It means to see it with kindness and forgiveness. There's a line by Robert Bly who says uh, every every part of us that we do not learn to love will become hostile to us. Because if there's a, a stash you say, no, not that. Then you'll be investing time and energy into putting it down, whereas what the mindfulness practice does is it's willing to open up to the whole show, and as you allow for all of those things to come through, especially on the first day or so, as you allow for all of it, the awareness can hold it all. The awareness of confusion is not confused. The awareness of fear is not afraid. The awareness of sadness is not sad. The awareness can hold it all. As long as there's a kindness in your attitude and not taking it personally and really seeing the humanness in that, then there's a purifying and healing process that happens. The third-end patriarch, there's a, another line that I love. It says, uh, "To live in the highest realization, to live in this realization is to be without anxiety about non-perfection." That's the highest realization to be without anxiety about non-perfection. It's OK to not be perfect. Not only is it OK. It's the highest wisdom to open to all your imperfections with love and kindness and wisdom. What needs forgiveness today? Your impatience, your grumpiness, your resistance, your wandering mind. What needs forgiveness right now? if you can learn to appreciate your sincerity that you're bringing to it, that is enough. Let's see. I love this passage. Let's see where it is. This is from Jack's book, The Art of Forgiveness, forgiveness, Loving Kindness and Peace. It says, uh, The babemba... Tribe in Southern Africa, when someone acts recklessly and breaks the tribal code, they are brought before all the villagers. Everyone stops working and gathers around, and the person is put in the middle, in the center, and unfettered and alone, and each person in the tribe speaks to the accused one at a time each recalling the good things the person in the center of the circle has done in their lifetime. Every incident, every experience that can be recalled with any detail and accuracy is recounted. All their positive attributes, good deeds, strengths, and kindnesses are recited carefully and at length. This ceremony can go on for several days and at the end, there is a great feast and that person is welcomed symbolically and literally back into the tribe. Good tribe to hang out with, huh? That's what we need. Instead of beating ourselves up, we need to remember our goodness, that kindness. And you'll get ample opportunity for it. Kind awareness. Relaxed, interested, and kind awareness. That's the essence of it. And although it takes some work, this is such an amazing gift that you're giving yourself because every single moment of mindfulness counts. Every moment you are weakening the unwholesome states and strengthening the wholesome states, that's how mindfulness is so uniquely the most wonderful way to realize the highest happiness because it weakens the unwholesome states and strengthens the wholesome states and opens you up to wisdom and love and peace. Every single moment of mindfulness counts. So I'll close with a a poem by Dana Falds, who's my favorite poet, about just this Practice. This is called Walk Slowly. It only takes a reminder to breathe, a moment to be still, and just like that, something in me settles, softens, makes space for imperfection. The harsh voice of judgment drops to a whisper, and I remember again. That life isn't a relay race, that we will all cross the finish line, that waking up to life is what we were born for. As many times as I forget, catch myself charging forward without even knowing where I'm going, that many times I can make the choice to stop, to breathe, and be, and walk slowly into the mystery. So, let's sit for a few moments now. Just let yourself, this will just be a moment, just let yourself stop and be here for these few moments right now. your attention. So there's a walking period now for half an hour. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.